Chedek Yud Ches, volume 18, the second Sikha for Parsha's Balak. In short, in our Parsha, Bilam was summoned and was very excited about uh, the idea, the prospect of cursing the Jewish people. And at the end, he gave us some of the greatest blessings we've ever received. In fact, some of the most important sources and prophecies about the coming of Mashiach, which is the ultimate blessing, is in this week's Parsha. And therefore, this Sicha is an analysis and uh, in-depth insight into the Halachas from the Rambam, who is the supreme authority when it comes to the laws of Mashiach. In fact, many other of the Halachic authorities hardly even speak about it, and therefore he's considered to be the main source of the laws of Mashiach. Uh, first of all, it's, it's worthy to note, so we have a better appreciation of the Sicha, that the halachis, the laws of Mashiach, are in the book of the monumental work of the Rambam, which is the Yad HaChazaka, which is 14 books. It only appears to the very, towards the very end. In fact, it is the very end and completion of all the halachas of the entire Torah as they appear in the book of the Rambam. Also, it's important to note that the Rambam, as an introduction, that the Rambam himself wrote his entire book. He transcribed the entire book. So the order is very definitive. In fact, not only did he write his book, but he introduces in the preface to this book and explains how his work is set up and how what is the purpose of it. And he clearly stresses that this work is halachis halachis. That means exclusively giving us the laws, nothing else but the law. In fact, we know and as we'll see later, that the Rambam even excluded the reasons for the halachas. For example, in Shulchan Aruch, in the Code of Jewish Law, especially in the Alter Rebbe Shulchan Aruch, not only do you have the actual law, but you also have typically the reason for the law, the basic tam, the basic reason, the basic logic of the law. The Rambam does not include that. Also, he didn't even include any whatsoever references. It's exclusively halachas. And another thing to know, it's worthy to note that the Rambam himself was the one who divided all of the halachas, all of the laws, into chapters and into paragraphs, into halachas. And therefore, it's very, very exact. So let's go into what we're going to do is we're going to learn several halachas from Hilchas Mashiach as they appear in chapter 11 in the laws of kings in Hilchas Malachim and Mechamiseim at the very end of the 14 books of the Sefer Mishneh Torah, or Yada, as it's known as Yada Chazaka La Rambam. So the Rambam says as follows: Hamelach Hamashiach, the King Mashiach, will arise, and he will, Ulahachzir uh, Malchus Beis David, he will reestablish the monarchy, the kingdom of the House of David, to its original state, and as it was in its original, uh, in, in its original power. And all the mitzvahs will return, and he says, for example, those mitzvahs which you don't have now, the karbonois, or the offerings as they are in the Beis HaMikdash, the Shemitah, the sabbatical year, and so on and so forth. And then he continues and he says, anybody who does not believe in him, or does not anticipate his coming, not only is he denying the 
uh, the the not only is he is he denying his belief, his faith in all of the prophets, but rather even and especially in the Torah itself and in Moshe Rabbeinu. That means by not believing and actively anticipating Mashiach, you're not only exhibiting a denial in the in your belief in the prophets, but you deny in the fundamental belief of the Torah and Moshe Rabbeinu. Why? He continues. Because the Torah testified about him, and it says, that Hashem will bring about the return of those of you who are exiled, and he'll have compassion on you, and he will return and gather you in from all the people. Uh, that's a loose translation of the verse. And then the Ramah brings several verses which also basically indicate the same idea that Hashem will bring us back, he'll gather us back in from all the dispersed, all the places of the world where we've been dispersed to and bring us back to Eretz Yisrael. Then the Rambam continues in this very same paragraph and he says as follows, even or also in the Parsha of Bilam, which is our Parsha, which is essentially Parsha's Bolok, but it's primarily the main character in this Parsha's Bilam, it says, and he says there, and the Ramam adds, that over there he prophesizes about two Mishichim, about the two Mashiachs. In other words, the Ramam says this is stated clearly in the parsha of Bilam, and then he emphasizes, he makes a point to tell us that Bilam speaks about two Mashiachs. Okay, just to point out the word Mashiach, the actual word means the anointed one. And he says, the first Mashiach that he refers to in the Parsha is David HaMelech, is King David, who saved the Yidin, who saved the Jewish people from their oppressors, from their adversaries. And then the second Mashiach, which is going to, who is going to arise from his descendants, from the descendants of David, that also will save the Jews at the very, very end. And he then the Rambam goes on and saying, and there he says, meaning there in our Parsha he says, I see him, but, quote, I see him, but not now. He says, this is a reference to David. I behold him, but it's not soon, it's not near. This is a reference to Mashiach. Then the Rambam brings another verse, a further verse, which says, A star of, from Jacob shall step forth, shall arise. He says, this is a reference to King David. And v'kom shevet mi a scepter shall arise from amongst from Israel. He says this is a reference to Mashiach. Then the Rambam brings another verse, which it says, that he will smite through the corners of Moab, of the nation Moab. He says this is a reference to David. And he brings a proof, because it says by David, that he smote Moab, and he, he basically subdued them and made them uh, as, as subservient to the Jewish people. And the next half of that verse, it says, And he will break down all the sons of Shays, which Shays is basically, most of the world today, a descendants of Noah through his son Shays. And this is, he says, is a direct reference to Melech HaMashiach, the King Mashiach. As it says about Mashiach, in one of the prophecies, who says, that his dominion will be from sea to sea, meaning the entire civilization. Then he brings even one more verse, and he says, it's it, where Bil, again, these are the words he's quoting the words of Bilam, the prophecy where he says, that Edom will shall be like a possession. He says, What is that? That's a reference to David. 
it again to King David, because we see by King David it says, that Edom became like slaves, like servants to King David. So you see that he subdued them. And the second half of the verse, that the enemies of the Jews, Seir, which is Esau, will be also a possession for them. He says this is a reference to Mashiach, because about Mashiach it says, and this is something we say every morning in the in the Shacharis, the Olo Mashiach that the saviors will come up to Mount Zion, and they will do what? They will judge the Mount Esau. That means they will judge, they will control them, they will possess them. So this is a reference to Mashiach. So this concludes the first paragraph in chapter eleven about the halachas of of Mashiach. Now we'll go into the second halacha, the second paragraph. Over there he says, even, or also, by the cities of refuge, he says, now remember the cities of refuge, in short, is a mitzvah that the Jews, when they came into Eretz Yisrael, they were supposed to establish a number of cities of, of refuge. But then the Torah says, when Hashem will enlarge your your borders, meaning he will expand Eretz Yisrael, and you will kind of settle it in a much better way, then the Torah says, you should add another three cities. Now the Ramam says, this never occurred, this never happened. And it's obvious that the Torah did not tell us something for nothing, for no, in vain. But rather, this is a hint, this is a prophecy of what will happen in the future. I mean, we know that everything that's in the Torah is bound and is certain to be fulfilled, is certain to come about. And therefore, the Ramam says, this is yet one more proof to the fact that there will be Mashiach and we will be doing and implementing this, this even this command of expanding the number of cities of refuge. This concludes the second paragraph, the second halacha, in the Rambam about the halachas of Mashiach. Now let's go into the third halacha. The third halacha says, It should not occur to you that the king Mashiach has to do any kinds of, you know, perform any kinds of special markers, miracles, and wonders in order to prove the fact that he's Mashiach. And he doesn't have to bring about anything new in the world. He doesn't have to invent anything or change anything or not even revive the dead. That's not what it is. Rather, says the Rambam, and, and, and the Rambam says, where do we know this from? And he brings a proof from an actual story that appears in the Gemara. The story of Rabbi Akiva, and he calls him here Bar Koziva, we know him as Bar Kochva. The Rabbi Akiva, and the greatest of the, who was the greatest of the sages, truly believed, as well as most of the sages of his time, that Bar Koziva was potentially Mashiach. And to the extent that Rabbi Akiva was his arms bearer, you know, it's almost like a caddy for a gopher. He carried the arms out of reverence, out of respect for who he thought is potentially the Mashiach. Until Bar Kochva, Bar Koziva was killed because of his sins, then it became clear that he is indeed not Mashiach. But all, the, all along they thought that he was Mashiach, although he didn't make any whatsoever miracles or didn't show them any signs. And he says they did not request from him, they did not demand from him any proof that he's Mashiach. So the Rambam says, the essence of the matter is as follows, that this Torah, meaning the Torah that we have, all its laws and its statutes are everlasting, are forever. And we don't add to them, we don't subtract to them, and the one whose Mashiach comes to enhance them. This is the conclusion of the third halacha. In the fourth halacha, says the Rambam, meaning the fourth paragraph, he says, if this shall arise 
a king from the house of David, who was versed in Torah and is fully engaged, I mean, he's totally versed and totally occupied in the study of Torah and fully engaged in the observance of mitzvah, like his father David, like his ancestor David, and he enjoins all the Jews to go in its ways and to like repair its breaches, that means to fix all those deficiencies that there are in the observance of Torah, and he will wage the wars of Hashem, then he is their presumed Mashiach. And if he does it, and he actually succeeds in gathering all the Jews together, not in that particular order, to build a base on Mikdash, and to gather the Jews, and to to uh, bring the whole world together, then we'll know for sure that he is definitely Mashiach. So here is the question. And we're going to get into some questions, just to, and then we'll have a very wonderful explanation, understanding of what this is all about, and the way and the order which the Ramam chose to tell us this. You see, as we mentioned in the beginning, in the introduction, this book is a book of halachis. This is not about bringing midrashim, or about bringing stories, or interesting anecdotes. Whatever the Rambam tells us, every word in this work of the Rambam, in the Sefer uh, Mishneh Torah, Yad HaZaka, is exclusively and entirely for the, the value of halacha. Every word adds to our observance. We have to know it just to know what to observe, how to observe the mitzvahs. And the question is, why, if so, does the Rambam have to bring another proof after having brought several verses as, you know, the, the one what we quoted explicitly, that Hashem will gather us all in, and then he brings other verses. You can see it there in the reference, look in chapter 11. Why is there a need to add yet from the prophecy of Bilam? Moreover, why, why the need to tell us about the two Mashiachs? In other words, if the whole purpose is to tell us about the belief in the Mashiach, the ultimate Mashiach, the King Mashiach, who will come at the end of days, of what value is there to discuss and to even talk about the first Mashiach, quote-unquote, David HaMelech? And besides, a third question, why is it that David HaMelech, for this purpose, is called Mashiach, when Mashiach means anointed one, and isn't it the case that also the first king, the very first king who preceded David HaMelech, King Shaul, was also anointed directly by Hashem, in fact, by the very same prophet who anointed David. So what, what, what makes David more Mashiach for this purpose? And another question, why is it necessary, after even telling us that there are two Mashiachim, that there are two Mashiachs, to go and bring us four different verses and split each verse and show us how this is a reference to David, this is a reference to Mashiach, this is a reference... Why? Why go through all that detail? What value does it have in our observance of this mitzvah of believing in Mashiach? So as we know, again, as I mentioned in the introduction, even the division of the chapters and the paragraphs were done by the Rambam himself and therefore have a meaning. If so, the question is, why is it that when it came to the proof of Bilam, right, the proof that he has from Bilam, he incorporated in the first paragraph, meaning it's like a continuation, a direct continuation, a flowing continuation of the original, the first proofs that he brings for Mashiach from the Torah. But when it comes to the, this proof of the adding of the, of the cities of refuge, 
Here already he puts it into a separate paragraph, so to speak, to indicate that it's, it's already a secondary thing. It's the next phase. It's the next thing. How is this secondary? It seems to be, if that's the case, then, this, then the proof of Bilam should have also have been in a second paragraph, and then this would have been, the, then in that case, it would have been the third paragraph. Another question, we know that this is not the only place in the work of the Rambam, where he talks about the concept of Mashiach. In fact, in the Laws of Tshuva, which is one of the first books of the Rambam, of this work, the Rambam discusses Mashiach. And there he speaks about some of the great uh, attributes of Mashiach, that he's going to be very wise, even more than King Solomon, and he's going to be a tremendous prophet, even as close as possible to what Moshe was, even though Moshe was the greatest prophet of all times, and so on and so forth. But over here, in paragraph 4, in Halacha of Dalit, he doesn't seem to mention any of that. All he focuses on is that the fact that this person, this great person will be one who is diligent in the observance of mitzvahs and exceedingly learned in Torah and so on, but doesn't say anything about that. Why not? Over here, we're talking about belief in Mashiach, incorporate everything about Mashiach, or so it seems. There's obviously a reason. So the explanation in all of this is as follows. You see, really the question begins with, where are these halachas of Mashiach? Where are they situated? This is in the, uh, it goes under the title, Hilchot Melachim, or Milchamoteim, the laws of kings. Meaning, this is just a, a so to speak, a prologue to the original laws of the kings. And it goes into all the details of what the obligation of a king is. First of all, the appointment of a king and so on and so forth. You can look it up yourself in the first 10 chapters of this section. And the real question is, it would seem logical that the Ramam should have said it way earlier, should have spoken about this somewhere in the very beginning, perhaps, of this work. Why? Because we know that it's only after the fact that there is a king, then certain mitzvahs actually take effect, kick in. For example, we know that it says that when the Jews entered Israel, that's when they had the obligation of appointment of a king, of annihilating all the descendants of Amalek, and of building the Beis Amikdash. Now remember, many of the halachot before, we're talking about the building of the Samikdash, we're talking about the offering of sacrifices. So many halachas that pertain to the building of the Samikdash, it would seem that the order would make sense. The order should be that first you talk about the appointment of a king. Who is the one that's charged with building the Beis Samikdash? Why speak about that? That important detail, or you should say in fundamental detail, at the very end, and only as a continuation of it, now we're talking about the laws of Mashiach. And the answer is, because what the Ramam really was trying to emphasize with this, is to tell us as follows, that the ultimate completion and wholesomeness of the entire Torah and all of the Halacha, that means that everything was, that was learned till now, comes about by the appointment of a king. In other words, although it's true that the appointment of a king is a prerequisite for some of the, or many of the halachas that were learned until now, many of the laws that were discussed up till now, however, what the Ramam is indicating, the Ramam is pointing out here, by having discussed it all the way at the end, is that this is the ultimate. This brings everything to its ultimate level. That means everything that was discussed until now, to bring it really to its highest point, is when you appoint a king, who, what is the definition of a king? What is his, what is he charged with? What is his purpose? As we said, 
to wage the wars of Hashem, which is basically to fight for the dissemination of Torah and mitzvahs, to destroy, to annihilate, to eradicate Amalek, which is basically to do away with any opposition to the Torah, and to build a Beis Hamitosh, which is essentially the idea of bringing the Shekhinah, of bringing God's dwelling into this world. This began to happen in actuality by David HaMelech, through David HaMelech. King David was the one who actually completed the conquest of Eretz Yisrael, and he was the one that completed all the wars. In fact, we know that his son, Shlema, enjoyed a very, very peaceful reign. Why? Because his father had taken care of business. His father had done all the wars and eliminated all the enemies and all the opposition to the Jewish people's existence in Eretz Yisrael. Thus, he was the one who settled the land. He was the one who established, he fought the wars of Hashem, and he basically did away with all the quote-unquote Amaleks, all the opposition, all the enemies of the Jews, and therefore he was the one who started to prepare the building of the Beis Amikdash. That's why the Rambam brings it all the way at the end. Because everything that was discussed up till now did not really come to full fruition until the idea of David HaMelech who came later, who was the real, and he is the quintessential uh, image of what a king, what a Jewish king is, what the kingship is. In fact, every one of his descendants later is all merely a descendant of King David. He's all a seed, of the, a, a sign of the, of the house of David. But David is the symbol of kingship. And therefore the Ramam speaks about it at the end. Now we'll understand why then he adds the laws of Mashiach. Because according to the Ramam's opinion, halachically speaking, legally speaking, what is the idea of Mashiach? What is the purpose of Mashiach? And therefore what is our uh, uh, obligation of belief in Mashiach? To know, to understand that Mashiach is there to return and to bring to completion the concept of king of kingship, the monarchy of of the house of David, and to and to affect all that we have mentioned. That is the purpose of a king to bring about everything that we said before. That is the purpose of a king, which means that whatever is lacking, whatever is any any and um, any deficiency in the study of Torah in the knowledge of Torah, in the observance of the mitzvahs, all of that is because of what? Why, why do we lack all these things? Let alone those things which we cannot do because we don't have a base of mikdash. But even the things that we could do and still were very deficient in their observance, and sadly so many Jews are not really observing them and not knowledgeable even about them. What is that all? A result of the gullus, a result of the fact that we are dispersed throughout the world, that we don't have a leader, that we don't have a king, and therefore, what is the purpose of Mashiach? To bring it all back. In other words, to bring back effectively the observance of Torah and mitzvahs. To bring back and to complete, to re, I'm sorry, to reestablish and to complete and to bring to a wholesomeness the concept of a melech, a king, what a Jewish king is, which is embodied in the concept of, in the idea of David HaMelech. And this is why also perhaps the Rambam goes into detail in pointing out the various verses, how the first half is a reference to King David, and the second half is a reference to Mashiach, because this is to point out how they are connected. 
This is not two separate things. Mashiach is a continuation and a completion of what David already began. It's all really one and the same. It's two parts of one. And therefore, the Rambam over here, where he's talking about the belief in Mashiach, what we're supposed to believe in, what is the fundamental faith in Mashiach, he doesn't discuss the greatness of Mashiach and his virtues and his qualities. That's not what it's about. Over here, we're about discussing what is the purpose of Mashiach. In other words, what do we have to believe in? We have to believe in Mashiach as Mashiach is a continuation and a reestablishment of what King, king, kingship, monarchy is all about between, uh, uh, by, by us, by Yidin, which is, like I said, an embodiment of what King David was. And now we can understand why the Ramam emphasized in the first paragraph that we mentioned, that we studied, that it's not just in the rest of the prophets that the person denies his belief in, but it's in fact in the, in the Torah itself. What the Ramam is trying to tell us is that the idea, the belief of Mashiach, the belief in, 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 in such a concept is not just another aspect of Judaism. This is Judaism. This is the whole Torah. This is what Torah is about. Because without this, you don't have the full and absolute fulfillment of Torah and study of Torah and fulfillment of the mitzvahs. And therefore, since the whole purpose of Torah is the study of it and the fulfillment of it, the Mashiach is not just another thing of it, another aspect, it is it. This is the whole idea of Torah. And now we can understand why when it comes to the Ari Mikla, to the city of refuge, why he puts it in a separate thing. Because once he established that the whole purpose is the re uh, reintroduction, and I should say the reestablishment, and therefore the completion of the of the purpose of of, of of the house of David, which is the observance of Torah, the study of Torah, and so on. Now he goes into the next step that you see that when it comes to the city of refuge, it's not only going to be observance of the past and a completion and a reestablishment. I mean, that is of what was done in the past. But in fact, it's going to take it and expand the mitzvah and take it to another level. Because remember, those three extra cities of refuge, like the Ramam said, never happened. What do you mean never happened? They never happened in the past, but in the future we will expand to it and it will actually in, increase, enhance the mitzvah. That's already taking it to, step, to second step. That is not in the actual first paragraph because it's not that fundamental belief that we need to have in Mashiach. And now we can understand better why the Ramam emphasizes that Mashiach doesn't have to make anything new. He doesn't have to do any inventions. He doesn't have to do any miracles. Because the Ramam is not here to change anything. The Ramam is here to, to, like he says, the Torah is everlasting. The Torah is not changeable. The Torah is the same all the time. You cannot add, you cannot diminish. And therefore, that is the point of Mashiach. He is here to enhance the observance of the Torah, which is everlasting. Nothing new. It's been here all along. It's just perhaps for some time, it hasn't been fully observed, but it doesn't mean it wasn't here. And therefore, the Ramam emphasizes that, that that Mashiach is not about any signs, any miracles, or anything. Just about, just about um, bringing about the observance, the full observance and study of Torah. And that's why also he continues and he tells us that Mashiach has to be somebody who is diligent in the study of Torah and in the observance of mitzvahs. Because really, just like think about it, a prophet. What is the sign of a prophet? And that's why the Rambam mentions it. The sign of a prophet is. 
that he tells you what's going to happen in the future. And therefore, like the Rambam says, when a prophet comes about, why do we believe? And not because he makes any miracles, but the, 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 um, the litmus test of a prophet, to know if he's a true prophet or not, is if he says what's going to happen in the future, and it happens. So the same thing with Mashiach. What is the idea of a prophet? The essence of a prophet is to tell us the future. That's how we test him. The essence of Mashiach is about enhancing Torah and mitzvahs. It's about reestablishing the observance of Torah and mitzvahs. That is who he has to be. That is the sign that that is who he is, that he is Mashiach by virtue of that, those observances, by virtue of his diligence in Torah and mitzvahs.